Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Docs Sportscast this morning. So, um, we're excited to be back. Aurora and I are going to be talking about the Super Bowl, um, you know, one of our most favorite sporting events throughout the year, for sure. And um, we will talk about, obviously, a lot of news in the NBA with the NBA trade deadline. Um, you know, I know we got the All-Star break coming up. We really don't care about the All-Star break anymore. It's just... Not, not something we really care about. We used to love watching it. I, I watched it as a kid all the time, but it's definitely not what it used to be, and uh, I think it's a shame. But, um, yeah, we will be talking about the NBA, talking about some trades, talking about a couple teams, um, things like that, because the landscape's changed, obviously, with a couple of deals, big deals that's went on. So, yeah, we will touch on that. But anyway, before we get into it, we will mention, again, we are official travel agents specializing in Disney, Universal, World Caribbean, Carnival Cruise Line, Sandals Resort, SeaWorld, uh, you know, among many others, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to help you book your next set of magical memories um, here with us. And we are absolutely free, absolutely free services. Um, you know, all these booking sites, all of the um, you know Disney, Universal, all these places, they include commission fees in their pricing. So it's not going to cost you anything more than if you booked it yourself. Uh, so feel free to reach out. We'd love to help you guys. Um, yeah. With that being said, we'll go ahead and jump into today's episode. First off, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're going to give our Super Bowl thoughts. I mean... <clears throat> I think many people know the Rams won the Super Bowl. Um, to me, overall view, Aurora and I really enjoyed the Super Bowl. That was a really great Super Bowl. It had controversy. It had uh, good stories. It had some great moments, uh, some big plays. I mean, it was really kind of everything you'd want a Super Bowl. Yeah, it didn't go to overtime the way some other ones have done. Uh, it wasn't as high scoring as other ones were. But you know what? I like to see good defense. I like to see that, and so that was something positive for us, that it was a good defensive showing. Um, both teams, you know, faced attrition throughout the game, and that, that's something that's a, a really good really good story, really good thing to tell, like, oh, my gosh, they faced this, they went through injuries and things like that. Um, you know, missed calls, there were some, there were some missed calls. There's, it seems like there's always some missed calls when it comes to Super Bowl nowadays. Um, I don't understand, guys. We'll talk about replay systems, things like that, and kind of what the NFL should be doing. But um, it's just it's crazy to me that you have these blatantly missed calls and things like that um, <clears throat> in a game like Super Bowl. Doesn't really make sense. Anyway, um, you know, there's a there's a good story of a veteran quarterback. There's a young rookie quarterback, uh, not a rookie, but a young quarterback with great promise. Um, you know, even though he lost, like Beckham injury. So here, here's the thing. We'll break it down. First off, you know. The Rams come out and we're playing really, really well. I think, um, you know, we told you guys that we thought the Rams would win. I think overall they were the more talented team um, overall. They don't really have any holes, right, in their team. And um, because of that, that's what really made me think, you know, hey, they're they're the better team overall. Because if you look at the the Bengals, there, there are some holes. There are some holes there. Um, one big one, and that's the one we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, first off, the, the Rams came out. You know, first team put points on the board um, with the Beckham touchdown, and clearly when Odo Beckham Jr. Uh, went hurt, went down hurt, um, this was a big factor. To me, this is what leveled out the game. It leveled out the playing field. The offense was sputtering. It could not figure out what to do because um, it didn't have that speedster that could you know really get people off of Cooper Cup, help make the offense more balanced. Uh, it, it just wasn't there, right? Um, the running game had some issues. Daryl Henderson, to me, was one of the, the best stories of it. He hadn't been used much all year long, and he was really utilized to the best of his ability in that game out the backfield. 
catching passes, which was really nice. He got a lot of great matchups there uh, that were in his favor. But when Beckham went out, it's clear this offense was struggling. Okay, so Bengals are able to um, you know come back, push forward, right, and then um, ultimately the Bengals they got um, a touchdown on a potentially missed call um, on on a, well on a missed call. Um, and, you know, that allowed Cincinnati to come back, be in the game now, get some offense going. And, uh, you know, then later on in the game, it was kind of back and forth at that point. Good defensive stalemates, offense matching each offense. Um, you know, Stafford got hurt, uh, got rolled up on uh, during a sack. Joe Burrow got rolled up on during a sack. Um, so both of these quarterbacks faced attrition. I mean, it's it's a great story for both of them to be able to finish that game the way they did, push through, play hurt is a great thing to see. Um, and and when you look at it, you know, it it's it it was. There's so many things that happened in this game that you didn't anticipate seeing. You didn't anticipate the quarterbacks getting hurt and all that stuff. But we said last week on the podcast that. We thought Aaron Donald and Levon and Von Miller. We we said that this defensive line of the Rams would be living in that backfield, and they did. They did. The first half. Don't get me wrong. Bengals offensive line did a decent job. Uh, they did a decent job out there because you know they were able to have the running back get a little check block. They were ha- able to have you know uh, an extra tight end there get a get a check block something like that. But what happens or a chip block and what happens is as the Bengals need to score the Bengals revert back to their traditional offense okay when that happens yes they're going to be more lethal which is what happened in the second half but it also creates holes in the offensive line because that offensive line cannot cannot block the Rams so all of a sudden sack after sack after sack after sack he had Joe Burrow had a pretty clean pocket in the first half Second half, exactly what we said would happen. Those Rams lived in that backfield. Um, seven sacks on the quarterback. It ties the Super Bowl record for sacks on a quarterback. Um, Roger Staubach's uh, seven back in the day. So, you know, it it's it's crazy to me, um, you know, that, that people thought that, you know, the Rams weren't going to get after it. You know, I even said it at halftime while watching it. Look, they – they're going to break down. At some point, they're going to break down. They've broken down all year. Just wait for it. And then they did. And it was sack after sack after sack. Um, ultimately, on our side, we we wanted to see either team win. It, was a great, it would be a great story for the city of Cincinnati. It was a great story for, you know, the veterans on the Rams, you know, Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford and guys like that to be able to win a title. Um, so... You know, and, and Cincinnati's got more chances, right? Cincinnati will have more chances, and that's something that, that to me, is a good thing, that they're a younger team, um, whereas the Rams are not. So there there were three missed calls, and we'll talk about this because, I, I mean, at the Super Bowl, every every team, whether it's loser, winner, whatever, will complain about calls, right? I mean, and they're going to. Every call is hyper-focused on. Um, the weird thing that happened in the – the first big miss call was the offensive pass interference on Cincinnati on T Higgins um, against Jalen Ramsey. This was the first missed big, the first big miss call. 
It was, it was blatant. It was obvious. We knew what the call should have been. It didn't happen. The weird thing was that the telecast did not show a replay. Like, usually after something like that, there's a replay right away. And, and everybody in the house that was watching it with me was sitting there asking, where's the replay? Can we see what happened? Where's the replay? They waited until after the, the field goal was kicked to show the replay, which was kind of odd to me. Um, I don't care. I mean, I don't really look into conspiracies and, and that type of thing. Like, it was just kind of odd that they didn't show it right away. So I did want to just mention it. But that play, it was clear that that touchdown was caused. That touchdown, and, and this is the thing. If it, if it was just a 20-yard pass completion, okay, fine. That Okay, you missed that call. All right. This directly impacted the touchdown. This gave the the Bengals a touchdown. So physicality from T. Higgins directly impacted Jalen Ramsey to go to the ground while the ball was in the air on the way. And it directly impacted the reason that Cincinnati got a touchdown on that play. So to me, that was the biggest missed call of the night. Um, the other two calls was uh, that that I saw that I thought were big was that one. Um, I think it was Aaron Donald. There, there was like they pushed Joe Burrow out on the sideline, which was absolutely a legal play. Wanted to make sure he went out of bounds. Nowadays, there's way too many quarterbacks that stop and they try and make a play still. So Aaron Donald did the right thing. He got a chance to get a little hit on Joe Burrow, pushed him out of bounds, fine. But then all of a sudden, Cincinnati players were shoving. Um, Aaron Donald and one of his teammates in the face mask. Uh, they were shoving and pushing right in the face mask. I mean, it was pretty much like punches being thrown almost on the sideline. And in any regular season game this year, that would have been called. It would have been on sportsmanlike conduct on Cincinnati. Something would have been flagged there, and nothing happened. And this was also directly after um, the missed touchdown call. Um, this was this was shortly after that, and. Uh, you know, it's very frustrating to see that that one call with the touchdown really deflated the Rams a ton. Um, that really shifted the game mentally, and to me, that that's the shame of it is that we had to see that like hiccup there. Um, you know, you'd like to see both teams not have to worry about the referees or worry about missed calls. You'd like to see the game happen, right? Um, and the last one was uh, defensive. Um, uh, offsides on the defense uh, late in the game, and you know that's the thing. I know people are that's the big news. Oh, there was this missed call about that. Okay, okay, cool. But that didn't directly impact the touchdown. We don't know if that impacted a touchdown. We do know that the offensive pass interference on T. Higgins that wasn't called directly impacted a touchdown. So to me, that's the bigger missed call. Um, but ultimately, they're all missed calls. All three of them happened. Um, overall, it was a it was a pretty fairly refereed game. I do think that you know a pass interference call that's missed, like blatantly missed, and you know causes a team to score a touchdown, is a much bigger offense um, and a, a much bigger impact than the other two calls because you know you don't know how they would have impacted the game really, but we do know what impacted the game when you missed one call and it gave Cincinnati a touchdown. So. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on that. I thought it was pretty fair both sides, but there was one big blown call that directly impacted a touchdown, and we just can't have that, guys. And I'll just talk on it real quick. I don't understand 
know, later in the game, we had, um, I think it was a Rams player, maybe it was a Cincinnati player, I don't, I don't know at this point, but um, there was a call down from the booth saying that someone needed to be looked at for a concussion. Okay? Happened instantly after the play. Uh, p- play was paused, and uh, this player was being evaluated. Right? If we can do that, if that technology is available for us to review things right on the spot, directly after it happened, make a call within 5 to 10 seconds, and be able to get the right call on the field, why can we not do that with any of these calls? Why can we not do that with, uh, you know, uh, offsides on defense? Why can't we do that with a pass inter- offensive pass interference? I get that there was nothing called on the play, but at the same time, there's no reason to me that anyone up in the booth shouldn't have been able to go up, look at that in five seconds, and know, hey, that's offensive pass interference, pause play, don't kick that field goal, whatever. If you want to take a look at it, fine, take a look at it, but I don't think we need to take a look at it. We don't need some guy with a headset going to a a stupid monitor and looking at everything. We need an official that is at a corporate headquarters that is monitoring you know, games as they're happening, and as it happens, they can sit there and make a call down and say, hey, you missed this call, change this play, all right, now we're fair, we made the right call, let's move forward. Boom, doesn't take any time. Um, so I, I hope at some point we can get to that. If we can do it with concussions and things, like, you know, this is a really big issue as well when it comes to calls being missed and things not being, you know, refereed properly. I mean, that, that I think that needs to be fixed, and I would love to see that happen. So um, that that's kind of our thoughts on that. I mean, maybe we're missing something there as to why they can't do it. I don't understand that because they can do it with concussions. Why can't they do this with other calls? So whatever. Anyway, um, NBA, move on from Super Bowl. Congrats to the Los Angeles Rams. Um you know, Aurora wanted the Rams to win, so she was really happy at the end of the day. Um, you know, and, and the Rams, you know, look, Matthew Stafford's a great guy. He's a great veteran in the league. He went through so many horrible years in Detroit um, with an organization that really didn't take care of him, really didn't provide him a team to, to have a chance to win. Everything that happened with his wife, um, with the brain surgery of uh, the tumor that she had, and her recovery and everything, and how he stood by her and everything, I mean, He's a great story. He's a great guy. Andrew Whitworth, who won the uh, Man of the Year award. I mean, that that's an amazing, uh, amazing man right there. And um, you know, Aaron Donald, class act guy. You know, he he had he had a reason to to want that. And then you know, Von Miller, he already won one, but you know, he got one. Jalen Ramsey, good defensive player. So it's just good to see all these veterans that didn't get a ring get a ring. Um, and Cincinnati, hey, hopes are really high. Hopes are really high and very promising for your future. You have a really young team, talented quarterback. You got to get protection for him. If you have protection for Joe Burrow, you could have won that game. And that was the biggest hole that Cincinnati's team had. You look at the Rams, there wasn't any glaring massive holes. That was the one thing on Cincinnati they had. And ultimately, that's what led to this game being a victory for the Rams. Joe Burrow didn't have a clean pocket in the second half, and it really showed. He was scrambling. He was I mean, it doesn't matter how poised you are under pressure and things like that. The guy's great under pressure. Don't get me wrong. But if guys are coming at you every single play and you got to hurry and get that ball out every play and you know somebody's coming at you, you're going to get razzled. And he did. 
he got razzled he he was scrambling he missed a few throws because guys coming i mean and it's gonna happen so everybody's human and that's that's what happens but it's not his fault it's the offensive line's fault they need to ramp uh, ramp up that offensive line anyway all right now that's our thoughts on the super bowl we are going to move on to the nba nba trade thoughts um Dante Sabonis uh, to the Kings is the first one we're going to talk about here. <clears throat> That's such a wasted trade on both sides, guys. I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, ultimately, I think it works better in the Pacers' um, favor overall because you know Halliburton is is a great young talent, and I think that's good for them in the long run. Um, but they're really lacking a good big man, a good scoring big man inside now. And Sabonis is a great anchor to put in there. Uh, for the Kings, I, now you just don't have enough firepower out on the perimeter. Uh, so, you know, I, neither team's trying to win right now. It's clear neither of them's trying to win right now. They can sit there and say, oh, we're trying to win. We're trying to get in the AC to it. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, you made a stupid deal. You made a stupid trade. Whatever. It didn't make any sense. Um, and I hate that for Sabonis. I wanted to see him have a chance to go to someone who was a competitor um, and le- would love to see what he could do on a winning team. Um so, yeah, it looks like that will not happen um, for him at this point. Uh, Portland. The Portland moves were so sad, guys. We said it in the offseason that Damian Lillard needed to get out of Portland. Um, yeah, I know he's loyal. He's a great guy. He doesn't want to leave Portland, and, and you know, he's invested in them because they invested in him. But at the same time, you know, Portland as an organization needs to do right by him. They need to do better by him. They need to move him like Minnesota did Kevin Garnett years ago. You know, they basically said, hey, we, we don't have the resources. We're not bringing you the ability to win right now. We need to move you to a contender so you can have a chance to win because everything you've given us. Step up, Portland. Step up and do that. And you did not. And it's so sad. Um, Lillard, again, part of a rebuild. Uh, losing his main guy, C.J. McCollum. Just sad. Just sad for Portland. Sad for Damian Lillard. And look for them to not have him play most of the rest of the season. Um you know, this is a team that's definitely going to be tanking now. They don't want to play Lily. They don't want to win games. I mean, they, they want to lose games. And y'all freaking out because people tanking games in the NFL. Portland's trying to do the same thing right now in the NBA. So calm down. Happens all the time. Next, Christoph Porzingis to the Wizards. Um, I mean, this move was stupid to me. It really was. The idea of it is good. Um, the idea of it is good to get a guy who can potentially give you 20 and 10 uh who who has you know good perimeter play and is a good big man and blah blah, blah. that's a good thought but kp isn't good christoph porzingis is not good he's not what he was even when he came in the league he hasn't gotten any better he doesn't want to beat and bang in the paint he wants to play on the perimeter he wants to play you know, less physical Dirk Nowitzki. And if you guys remember Dirk Nowitzki, the reason he won a title the one year he did was because he played physical and he beat and banged in the paint. Christoph Porzingis isn't willing to do that. Um, it's a it's a bad move because of who Christoph Porzingis is. Yeah, it's the right type of player, but it's, it, he's not he's not the right guy mentally and the right guy um, you know in the way he actually plays. Uh, if if they were getting him when he first come in the league and they have the ability to work on him and maybe see if he'd beat and bang in the paint, cool. I think it's a great move, but I think it's stupid. I think they wasted a trade on him. They need a guy who can really be physical in the paint and score in the paint, um, and the Wizards 
still uh, do not have that at this point. So really sad. You can't just go offense, offense, offense um, with, you know, flashy players and all that. You need guys who will beat and bang in the paint. Um, that's what, that's just what we're seeing that the, the league has gotten away from physical centers. And uh, as it gets away from it, the teams that have a physical center are the teams that are playing really well and have a chance to win titles. Um, so take a look at the last few teams. They've got a big man who's willing to beat and bang in the paint. Um, and, and that's what makes a big difference. So whatever. Um, the big one happened. James Harden and Ben Simmons um, slash Steph Curry uh, or Seth Curry. So Ben Simmons, um, here's the thing, okay? This is a big trade. I get it. And yes, I think Harden is going to be better for the Sixers than what Ben Simmons was because Ben Simmons wasn't even stepping on the court. He wasn't even playing. So anything would have been better. However, we don't know how he's going to mesh with Joel Embiid. We don't know how he's going to mesh in that offense. I like that offense and what they were doing and what what they were consisted of, what they had consisted of um, before that trade. I mean, they're in the fifth spot right now. Um, I think they were in fourth, dropped a couple games recently. And I think losing Seth Curry is a big problem. They had the team years ago. They moved J.J. Redick, and all of a sudden the team started playing bad. And then they lost Jimmy Butler. Like, you need a perimeter shooter to spread the floor for Joel Embiid. And yes, James Harden is a perimeter shooter, but he's also a guy that has to have the ball in his hand. It, I, I just feel like Seth Curry was <coughs> a piece that you couldn't really move, and they did. So I don't like that aspect of it. Now, who knows? If James Harden meshes beautifully, beautifully with Joel Embiid, okay, great. Okay, we're, we're talking good things now, and that, that works out fine. But... um you know, it's um, it is it is something that I don't think that's going to happen that way. And if it does, I mean, they're just lucky it did. So, yeah. Anyway, um, about uh, also with that. So, you know, Stephen A. Smith came out. He talked about he's irate about this. People saying that the Sixers are uh, got the best end of the deal or whatever. Stephen A. Smith is irate about it. He's telling everybody, no, 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 the Nets are better. The Nets are better at the Nets. The Nets are better. I, I can't stand Stephen A. Smith. Um, so he's saying the Nets are better overall as a team from this trade. I got to tell you, you can't say that. And you can't say you're right about that. Because one, Ben Simmons hasn't even played a game for them yet. So that's one thing. Uh, second, when you get in the playoffs, which is what the Nets want to see that's where they want to be is in the playoffs what happens to Ben Simmons then he's still a liability he is still a liability in the playoffs so when you get in the playoffs and you get in the second half of a game he's a liability he's scared to take shots he's scared to have the ball he won't make free throws because he, he you know he doesn't even want to try to shoot free throws because he's awful he doesn't put time and effort and work in. And I tell you right now, Kevin Durant is going to get fed up with that. If he doesn't get better at shooting, Kevin Durant's going to get mad about that. Um, and he should, rightfully so. But Stephen A. Smith to come out and say that, I don't understand why he's overlooking this. The Nets are worse now to me. Because instead of taking a guy who is still a very dangerous threat in all accounts of the game, Ben Simmons is not that. 
So James Harden moving on. You've now replaced him with a player. Yes, you got Seth Curry, which is amazing. That's that's probably the win for you because you can take Ben Simmons out when you get in the second half and put Seth Curry in and have a, a quality guy. And it and he might mesh better with, you know, Kyrie. Um, who knows? Uh, than what James Harden did. But I really gotta disagree with Stephen A. Smith. I think this hurts them in the playoffs. It may not hurt them in the regular season. But I think it will hurt them in the playoffs. Okay. Um, And then finally, the Lakers didn't make a move. Uh, I think this was kind of surprising to everybody. The Lakers didn't make a move. Um, I I thought they should have. I thought they should have moved Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. I don't think either of them is a good fit for that team. I think they're going downhill. Um, They just don't look good at all. Um, (laughs) Just Anthony Davis is just like Christoph Porzingis. Uh, He doesn't want to beat and bang in the paint. He doesn't want to play physical. And, you know, he's out there playing all this, you know, finesse position and all that. And then he just ends up getting hurt. He just injured his ankle again. He's out two more weeks. I mean, come on. Guys, LeBron James went to L.A. to try to bring in Anthony Davis and some other stars so that he didn't have to carry the whole load. And he's still having to do it. And he's going to wear down in the playoffs just like he has been doing. It is what it is. I mean... And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Don't get me wrong. He's a he's a frequent athlete, and he's great. But um, Michael Jordan, back then, guys were built differently. They played differently. When you're working out as hard as you work out, when you push yourself as hard as you push yourself for LeBron James every day, every workout, every game, Michael Jordan didn't do that. He wasn't as big. He wasn't as strong. He wasn't as bulky as most of the players in the NBA today. Those things that you add will cause you to not be able to finish the season. It will cause you to need rest and things like that. That's the thing. Back then, players were more durable because they weren't all built up and bulked and all this stuff. Yes, LeBron's a great talent, and he was amazing for so many years, but he wears down now because his body can't take what he does to it. I mean, that's the thing. Michael Jordan had a perfect balance of that, where he was always there, always ready to go, and never wore down. Um, so it, it's sad. It's sad to see this for the Lakers. You know, for LeBron, uh, you know, it, it's frustrating because he made the right move to go to LA and get help and not wear down. But um, yeah, you know, it's just his teammates that he went there with is not not good, not a good fit. I wish they would have moved Westbrook and AD. Um, you know, maybe get Sabonis, Halliburton, or something in a three-team deal for Westbrook and and Sabonis. I think that would have been better overall for the Lakers now and the long run. Um, but yeah, I think they should have made a move and they didn't. So watch for the Lakers to continue um, not having a successful season. You know, right now they are um, they are in the ninth seed in the West, and so I don't know. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, guys. I really don't. Uh, I think they're going to really struggle a ton. Um, yeah. So, uh, last thing, well, two more things. One is the Nets. Um, they dropped from first to eighth now since they let Kyrie back on the team. We called that. We said it way back when they said that Kyrie will come and rejoin the team on visiting games. We told you guys they're probably going to be worse. They will probably drop in the standings. That's what I see happening, and they have. Yes, KD's been hurt, whatever. Like, say whatever you want, but it's happened. This team is not as good with Kyrie there. It's caused dysfunction. It's caused all this stuff to to mix things up. They had a good thing going, and now it's messed up. Um, 
I don't like that for the Nets. I really don't, and I don't like the Ben Simmons acquisition. So the Nets, I'd be worried if I was a Nets fan because I don't think they're going to make it happen. Um, so, yeah. And um, the last thing we'll mention is the Dallas Cowboys uh, have recently, it came out, they've paid a $2.4 million settlement with uh, cheerleaders uh, for voyeurism allegations. And for those of you who don't know, voyeurism is basically um, basically people that are watching and are recording um, people you know, in vulnerable positions, right? Um, so the cheerleaders accused a senior team executive of voyeurism in their locker room as they undressed during 2015 event at AT&T Stadium. Um, each woman, uh, part of this, received $399,000 after the incident. Um, one of the cheerleaders said she clearly saw um, a Cowboys VP um standing behind a partial wall in the locker room with his iPhone extended toward them recording um, while they were changing clothes. Uh, I mean, this is a big thing, guys, and this is the thing that happens all the time. The Cowboys are usually really good about paying people off and not having anything be said or get out, um, but this did get out, and um, this is the thing, guys. You know, the whole thing that happened with the, the Washington football team, uh, now the commanders, um, you know, and now the Cowboys – it's uh, this is something that happens, and we need to be more vigilant about it. More things need to happen. People need to stop settling for these settlements and crap. Like, no, this stuff needs to come out. It needs to get out there in the public, and uh, it's just good to see. I think it's good to see, and people need to understand that this is across the league. It's not just one team that's a problem. It is a problem across the league. But when you've got an organization like the Commanders who violates multiple things, um, you know, multiple different policies. Uh, that are that are very bad. Then you've got a team like the Cowboys comes out and it's like, okay, this is something that happened. I mean, look, this has to be looked at a lot more. There needs to be more protocols put in place um, to keep separation from people from these areas with the these women, um, and there needs to be higher standards. So um, anyway, we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, I think that's all the news. I mean, it's already been. Um, they already paid for the settlement and everything, uh, but it's really, really a shame uh, for these women out there. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll head off here for the day. Again, we are official travel agents specializing in Disney, Universal, World Caribbean, Carnival Cruise Line, Sandals Resort, SeaWorld, um, much more. So feel free to reach out to us, and uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Information for us uh, and our travel agent services will be uh, below. Our email will be below. Um, so yeah, talk to you guys again next week.